Hey, hey, hey. Uh-oh, there's an echo. Hey. I think the echo's gone. Oh, that was because I was plugging it in. Uh-huh, okay. Because <laughs> I was all coming in strong. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but I could hear myself talking back. <laughs> That's not good. I hear myself. Oh, my Hearing gosh. Voices. Is that really what I sound like? <laughs> Ow. <laughs> oh, oh. Awesome. welcome back this is props to crazy with michelle and stephanie da, we're, da, da. we're so excited to be talking with everybody today yeah it feels like it's been a really long time since we've done a recording well and that's only because we haven't posted but we've done a few recordings <laughs> in between <laughs> that's true it's just not publishable yeah hopefully this one will be the one the one this is it i'm excited it's gonna be it yes uh so today's topic two things the first one though is we are going to talk about stigma um just because you know we have our catchphrase at the end where we say you know help us break the stigma this we're gonna edit that help us stop the stigma by starting the conversation. And then I got to thinking, you know, maybe people don't know what stigma is, or maybe they know what stigma is, but they don't know how they're stigmatizing or, you know, and, you know, maybe they're just like, well, now I feel bad and I don't want to say anything or talk to anybody who has mental health disorder. (laughs) Right. You know, things like that. So we just wanted to expand on that. Yes. I think that one of the things that I wanted to differentiate between first is that there's actually two types of stigmas. There's the social stigma that you were just talking about where we, you know, have prejudice, prejudiced attitudes um, towards other people that we think have a mental illness and we start categorizing them as, oh, she's a bipolar. Yes. And then, there- oh, sorry. Sorry. So what I wrote down, just because my this definition is perfect for that, it says a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. So that's the yes. social one. And then what was the other one that you had? That was perfect, Steph. Yeah. So the other one is self-perceived stigmas, which involves an internalized stigma that um, the person with the mental illness suffers from. And I think that that is probably way more common than we know. <laughs> I don't do that. You don't? I don't have stigmatize a myself. No, no. I'm perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that um, I have put stigmas on myself. I think that it was at earlier ages, but I, th- mm-hmm. I think I'm less stigmatizing of myself, I guess. I like to... Um, put myself in a category because it helps me understand how to deal with it. People don't like to put people in boxes and they don't like to have labels and different things like that. But for me, it's actually a healthy way of being able to cope with the mental illness. That makes I sense? totally agree. Yeah. You know, when I think of a label, 
I mean, I can see both sides why people are like, oh, don't put a label on me because you're putting me in a box or you're assuming things that you don't actually know because of what the label is. But at the same time, I feel like labels give us direction, Mm. right? Yes. It gives you an understanding of what to expect and how to treat a disorder. Yes. Well, and the other thing that I um, found out is that mental illnesses can be caused by a lot uh, you know, a combination of reactions to environmental stresses, genetic factors, or biochemical imbalances. And when you think about that, it's exactly what we are saying. If you can understand where the problem comes from or what the problem is, then you can start to treat it. Yeah. I always thought that's what I struggled with for such a long time when I did receive my diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. I, well, I was already frustrated with the bipolar. I'll just say that I was relieved when I did get that diagnosis just because it was like, we're just now saying like I had direction and I knew how to treat it. Like forever. I was trying to figure out if you will, what was wrong with me and like how to fix it. So that was a relief when I got the diagnosis, but that next one with the BPD, that blew me away. Um, <laughs> Was it because you stigmatized it? <laughs> no, because I actually hadn't heard of it. So oh. I couldn't stigmatize it. But the reason why is because it's such a, I don't know if a serious disorder is the right mm. word. I mean, when is a disorder oh. not serious? But when it's the thought behind it, it's usually it's like brought on by huge amounts of trauma, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something really traumatic and drastic. And for me, I was like, I didn't go through anything seriously traumatic. Like I just didn't feel like the problems in my life were that big. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Absolutely. I, for me, that's where I would probably have struggled and I did struggle. I'll tell you, I hated the term ADHD or ADD or whatever. I did not want to be put in that box. (laughs) Yes. And as an adult, it's helped me to understand, hey, I might be a little ADHD and it could be a positive thing. Yeah, it's true. I've just now started to feel that way about bipolar. Mm. With the borderline, when I was finding out about that and I was going through and researching what it was, the more it scared me because the more – and I've told you this before. The more I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't be this way. This is not me. (laughs) This is a terrible person. I can't be this bad. Like, I know there's something wrong with me, but I can't be this broken. I just have to say what you were just saying, and this isn't to call you out, but I think it's a good, perfect example is I can't be that person or that bad. That is – almost putting a stigma on it where you're like, I'm, I can't be that crazy, you know? Oh, it totally is. Totally is a stigma. So it's, (laughs) yeah, it's not, um, it's normal. I think for people to feel that way about mental health problems. Mm -hmm. In fact, I have felt that way the more I've been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. I think once we get past There's certain levels, I think, I don't know if I'm wording this exactly right, but there is a stigma when you find out what your disorder is, Mm -hmm. what your personality type is, you know, however you want to word it, what your issues are. I think once you get past the term and the label, Mm -hmm. that's when I think you can let go of that stigma. 
Yes. And just accept it and be like, okay. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, so I'm borderline. You know, I match with all these characteristics. How can I improve upon this? And not necessarily, okay, I don't want to be a bad person anymore. It's just like, so what can I do with this? And how can I be a thriving person out in society? You know, that's exactly right. So that's how we can move past the stigmas is by, first of all, being aware and educating ourselves and, you know, just really working on changing from the inside out. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, another reason why I wanted to talk about this is, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say where I saw this. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or, uh, you know, it takes a lot to put things out there for other mm-hmm. people to hear and listen to whatever. So, mm-hmm. but there was an episode that I was listening to where somebody was stating that they feel like mental illnesses really don't get acknowledged this day and age. And they sounded younger. I don't know. It was a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were just kind of going on, on and on about how there's no resources, which part of that is true, but they were talking about how there was still a huge stigma and people aren't willing to talk about it. Nobody's helping them that they don't have anywhere to go to talk. And I just found myself frustrated because I'm like, number one, we have been talking about it more in the last five years than it's ever been talked about before. It used to be just super hush hush. Yes. And yes, resources need to be improved. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done, but there are so many resources out there. (laughs) There are, there's a ton. And what Michelle and I were hoping to do with this entire podcast is to get people to talk about mental health because you can't just sit back and wait for your neighbor to do it. They can't read your mind. They can't hear you just like sitting there saying, oh my gosh, I wish somebody would come up and ask me about how my depression is doing. Why hasn't anybody (laughs) asked me about my psychosis this week? Right. You know, you can't do that. And don't be the person that goes to your neighbor and is like, listen, I was delusional this week and I really want to talk about it. My name's Mary, by the way. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's the way to go about and doing it, but I mean, you've got to be that person. You've got to be the one that's willing to step up and, and just tell your group and the people around you, like, yep, this is something I struggle with and this is what it's like. And I still go to work tomorrow. Like I'm still the same person, you know? So true. Like joining a support group or creating a support group around yourself, your tribe, people that you can talk to is so huge. Oh my gosh. And this is something I've told people as well. I'm like, yeah, Michelle and I can do all this talking and we're self-aware and we, we've studied for ourselves. Um, the resources need to improve. So mm-hmm. another hope for us talking about this is there, hopefully there's people out here who know people or maybe they are that person who can contribute to research, who can contribute to a new resource or they know um, a support group to refer people to, you know, like it's all about networking. Like yes. I don't necessarily have the answers, but by putting this out there and getting people talking about it, it's going to create the changes we need. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, one of the things that I thought was interesting is it was talking about fighting the stigma and it said, encourage equality between physical and mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing that we struggle with, I guess, with the stigmatizing of it is in that realm. If there isn't equality, a physical illness is definitely more accepted than a mental illness. Absolutely. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, it makes sense 
because you can see it and it's Mm -hmm. so obvious, things like that. Something we've talked about a lot. And uh, part of the stigma too, I think big time is, I mean, you wonder how somebody can function if they really are struggling as deeply as they say they are. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, okay, well, if, if you feel that badly or if you're having those kind of thoughts, how do you have a job? Yes. How do you hold down a job? So that right there is a stigma. Like, yeah, it's super, super difficult. It's hard every single day, but you still do it. So I think people have a hard time believing it. Yeah. If you're so depressed, how can you smile? Yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> bipolar doesn't have an image. we seriously need to get that video out video out so people know what we're referencing it's so true (laughs) we should put it out and then add the link to it in the bio of this episode (laughs) yes okay so everybody who's listening to this we're gonna put I don't know what to even call it I wanted to say a commercial a blurb yeah it's just a it's a public service announcement (laughs) for mental health we're going to add that. We made it quite a while ago and I love it. And I've yes. been waiting for the perfect time to present it to the it's world. Time. I, I think it's mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, back to stigma and how it got <laughs> created and the ways that people use it. So there are certain things that bother me about stigmas or how things are stigmatized with mental illness. And then there's things that just don't. And mm. one thing that bothers people, I think a lot, people get a backlash, get a lot of backlash on is movie characters. Ah, so pe- huge. Yeah. When people make movies and it's based around somebody who like is schizophrenic or borderline or just, you know, whatever the way it's portrayed, people take it so literally (laughs) like you were telling me a situation Mm -hmm. about was it a movie review or was it just a clip yeah it was like a it was like a trailer if you will of this girl who has borderline personality disorder and it was funny because I was watching it and I was like okay yeah that reminds me of stuff (laughs) (laughs) but then there were parts of it that it was like I don't think she's ever done that, but you know, we haven't been around each other, this, that, and the other. And, but I just overall thought to myself, everyone's different. So that might have been that person's experience. But the problem that I had with it was I was reading the comments about it and people were saying, that isn't true. That isn't how a bipolar or a borderline person acts. The person in my life does this, this, and this. And they're not aware of their themselves and no borderline can fix themselves because they aren't aware. And I was just like, are you kidding me? I know the <laughs> most aware borderline person in the entire world. And that's where <laughs> stigmas are created is because someone who is struggling with it in a certain way is being portrayed in a certain way. And then everyone latches to that idea. Yeah. So like silver linings playbook is, you know, a guy with, bipolar and I didn't experience things the same way he did. Mm-hmm. So, and isn't that interesting when people get so upset and they're like, I know somebody it's like, okay. Oh, you know, one person out of <laughs> 5 million people who struggle with this disorder. Okay. Yeah. You know, you- you're the expert. <laughs> exactly. You should go to a support group first before you go <laughs> doing that. Cause I think you'd learn a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh goodness. Oh. So that's something that doesn't bother me when people portray characters because as I was telling Michelle when we were preparing for this, you know, that's their their um creativity. Yeah. That's what the story that they came up with in those characters. Mm-hmm. And it's no different than somebody coming up with a, a Barbie movie for crying mm-hmm. out loud. Right. You know, the plots aren't real. Half mm-hmm. the time it's stupid, but whatever, <laughs> use your imagination. And I just right. don't feel like that's any different. It's just people using their creativity. Right. So it's not meant to be a documentary. Well, and I think it's okay for us to speak out to the media as well. Like when they're not portraying mental illness properly. Yeah. I just wish that people who are watching it or, and I would certainly hope the people who are creating it and like making those movies, I hope that they have the understanding that that's not how all people are with those disorders. Right. And you were talking about, yeah, you were even talking about with, um, now I can't think of the word. So not just in the media, but how they get portrayed, um, Oh, like if there's mass shootings and all of a sudden people start getting stigmatized as he was, you know, and whatever. And yeah, those things might have been happening, but then every gunman is dot, dot, dot. Yes. That's something I wrote down. That always bothers me because that's a huge stigma right there. Because as soon as people hear, oh they were schizophrenic. Oh, they had borderline. Oh, you know, they struggled with this throughout their lives. Like that's just one tiny portion, but there are like millions upon millions of people who struggle with those disorders, but they don't go out and do those horrific things. And that's one of those things that I think people really attach to. And I don't know if that's something that's intended Mm. when the media does that, when it's portrayed that way, but there's times when I wonder why are they specifically pointing that out? You know what I always think of when I hear that in the media is why wasn't that person helped before it got to that point? They clearly had a mental health problem. And I feel like it's because of the stigma behind it. First of all, that person didn't want to admit it or their family didn't want to admit it and get them the help or, Mm -hmm. you know, no one pointed it out or, you know, whatever the reason was, I feel like if there was, not such a bad connotation around having a mental health problem that maybe more people would actually go and get the diagnosis so that they could get the help and the treatments. Absolutely. I'm like, you know, hindsight's 2020 and maybe they weren't (laughs) open about it, but still, Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. And you know, there is, it's very understandable that people are, hesitant and scared to talk about it or bring it up, especially the older generations. Yeah. I don't know how much people are aware. I mean, you hear the word asylum, Mm. dun, 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 (laughs) right? They're coming to take me away. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that song. My stepdad used to sing it (laughs) in like a really creepy, funny voice. I'm like, oh, but anyway, so mental hospitals as we know it now um, are very different from asylums that were the original mental health hospitals, psych wards, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, back in the day, they used to just, like, throw these people away. Mm-hmm. They'd lock them up and throw away the key, and you would mm-hmm. never see them again. People would distance themselves out of fear of embarrassment. It used to be, like, a status thing. You mm-hmm. know, back in the day, it was, like, very important. 
how you look, money, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that. If you had a relative who's crazy, cuckoo, whatever, you want to distance yourself from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and fear of if they find out that somebody in your family is struggling that way, well, what if they think you are too? Or what if it yeah. rubs off on you? What if it's contagious? You know, back when they didn't understand things. And they used to do horrific things to these people. Mm. I mean, there's documentaries that you could get into. I've watched oodles of things on it and it is it's disgusting um Mm -hmm. it has come a long ways but when you really look back into um into the history of it you kind of gain an understanding as to why people would be hesitant and want to shy away from it um but I really think that's how stigma got started Mm. yeah in general for sure well I think the other thing too that's a problem is that there are so many types of mental health issues, disorders, problems that it's, um, it's hard to group yourself in that. It's like, if you have anger issues versus if you're schizophrenic, it's like, well, I'm not that bad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and that's what they used to do too, is everybody went to the same place. Everybody went to the same hospital. It didn't Mm -hmm. matter what you had going on, Mm -hmm. you know, and people were dying of things that they shouldn't have been like, Neglect and experiments and cruelty and yes, lots and lots. And once you went in there, you never came back out. Yes. Oh my God. And that's still kind of a fear today just because, you know, when I was hospitalized, mm. there's no timeline really of when you're going to get out. Yeah. And that's not based on your good behavior. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's not to say you're going to go in there and then it's like, okay, I hope I'm out in like five to seven years for good Mm -hmm. behavior. You know, it's nothing like that, but there is the sense of how long am I going to be here for? Like, how long is this going to be necessary? And for me, that was a very scary feeling to not have any control of when I got to walk back through those doors and get back to my, you know, day to day life. Oh yeah, I can see that. Anyway, that would be super scary. Yeah. I didn't feel that way. I was like, oh, lock the key and lock the door and <laughs> throw away the key. You know what? That's how I felt at first, yeah. but after a few days, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was like, okay, where's the key, guys? Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> and something that we've talked about before, but more about my experience. You know, we've talked about medication before. Um, we've never gotten into specifically what we take, what it's called, what it's for exactly. But I had talked about a couple episodes about how I had had a medication change Mm -hmm. and what my experience was, you know, and medication itself can be a stigma as well. Even still. Mm -hmm. I agree. And you know, I've stigmatized it in a way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I remember as I was taking certain medicines because they were originally prescribed for something different. I felt weird about taking it. So um, my mood stabilizer, um, one of them is for schizophrenia and another one, not this, I'm not taking them at the same time, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) but another one that I've taken is for seizures. And so I thought, am I having seizures? Am I schizophrenic? (laughs) And there was this fear behind it. And I know that's because of this idea that you know, I can't be that crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Another stigma. Right. And so I guess that's a really good point to bring up right now is that when we say stop the stigma, we realize that we are a part of that, not only in that we have stigmatized because that's what we learned and knew, but we're trying to break it. We're, Mm -hmm. we're here to 
open up and be vocal and address the hard situations that people don't want to discuss. Well, and I was even thinking too, there's still a part of me that even in my language, I stigmatize Mm. even myself in my situation. How many times have you heard me say, I know what to do. I know the therapy. I know my homework, you know, then if I know all of this stuff, then why am I still getting depressed? Why am Mm. I still this? And it's like, well, that's the stigma is you think that you have this crisis one moment, you get over it and then you're done for the rest of your life. Like this one episode that you're that in itself is a stigma is you just have to realize it is a cycle. It, that is the disorder is cycling. It's the up and the down again and again and and again, it's never going to go away. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, I even need to change my own language because then it puts in my mind that I'm failing Yeah. I, well, I do want to point out that not all mental health problems are not fixable, but there are more severe ones like Mm -hmm. what we've discussed that aren't fixable, that will be lifelong. And that goes back to what we were saying about whether it's a reaction to environmental stress, like PTSD or like a biochemical imbalance, like depression or those kinds of things. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, back Uh, to medicine. Yes, back to medicine. You share. Oh, okay. (laughs) My turn. (laughs) Michelle, did you have something to say? (laughs) So my experience... Okay, so it... We're going to edit this part anyway, so just like don't even worry about it. Okay. How do I start? Hang on. Michelle, say, Michelle, tell me your experience with medicine. Okay. So we had talked before about my experience with my medication and I had to make some changes. And I think you were telling me that you are taking a break from your medication. What do you mean by that? So, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give a little bit of history of my medicine so that I can give you the why on Mm -hmm. why I'm taking a break. When I was 14 is the first time I ever got on medicine and it was an antidepressant. And then I got on a medicine that was for anxiety while I was taking the antidepressant and it didn't work out in my teen years, which we've heard that a lot of times teens struggle being on those kinds of meds. But at that point, my parents were kind of like last resort. We've tried everything else. Mm -hmm. So then I stopped taking my medicine when I got out of the home. I thought I was fine until I wasn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's when I decided to get on an antidepressant again. And I was taking it and it was great and it was awesome. And then it kind of wore off. I was like, hmm, that's weird. So I talked to my doctor and we got on a different one and it was great and it was working and then it wore off. I was like, so then I was taking another one and it was great and it was working. And then I went to the doctor because, okay, start over. I went to a new doctor (laughs) (laughs) and this doctor with a fresh set of eyes said, oh, let's get you on mood stabilizers instead of anxiety medicine. And let's see how that does for you. And so that has been working for quite some time, but recently I've felt numb is the best word to describe it. It's not that I don't feel emotions because I do They're not as high and they're not as low, but I almost feel like I'm not experiencing emotions that I should be experiencing. Like if something is sad, I feel like I should be crying and I'm not. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and just really quick, that's the whole point of the medication is to regulate your moods and emotions so they're not as strong. Correct. But you can get to a point where you feel over-medicated. That's a thing too. It, that's what you're referencing is yes. that you're not feeling anything. And I was on the lowest dose of this medicine. Mm. So it wasn't like I could lower it anymore because it's an extended release capsule. <laughs> uh. So I couldn't just cut it in half. Um, and so, but I haven't had, so I haven't only experienced the mood stabilizer. I have only experienced it with the antidepressant. And I have been listening to a podcast (laughs) (laughs) and the woman explains her experiences and she's a therapist first of all, but she explains that she feels things more intensely than other people. And I thought that sounds just like me, but I'm not feeling anything. And I thought, well, what if I'm just like her and I just feel things more and I could learn how to regulate those feelings and I could learn how to cope and, and deal. And what if I've learned all of the things that I can so that I could actually deal? And I've tried to get off of my medicine in the past, but I always go through kind of a withdrawal period. And this time, a little bit out of necessity, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit of choice, I wasn't able to... Um, re-up my medicine and I just decided that it was time. And so I worked through that little stage of withdrawal and now I've been observing myself and it's been (laughs) an interesting ride to say the least. (laughs) When you first sent me that text, by the way, that you were, cause you put it in quotations. Yeah. Taking a break. Taking a break. (laughs) I was like, Okay, so is this one of her – there's been a few times, honestly, mm-hmm. where you just have stopped taking your medication. Yeah. I've wanted to. <laughs> and That's the thing. I've wanted to do this for a while, but I've been so afraid that it would affect my life and my career and that right. everybody would leave me mm-hmm. that I, I was like, I yeah. can't do this. So my question was when I first read it, I was like, okay. And I didn't ask it because I'm like, well, we're going to be talking soon. Mm-hmm. I'll just ask her. Um, my, my thought was, okay, taking a break, like you ran out or like you forgot, or like this was a planned thing. So I kind of laughed when I read it and right. It was now it makes more all sense. of that <laughs> <laughs> because I'm at the point just to give a little bit of a reference. I had a doctor that prescribed me 12 months worth of the medicine and I moved exactly a year ago. And so 12 months is up. And I'm in a new town and I haven't gotten a new doctor and I don't have insurance. And so I am going to have to pay full price for the doctor before I can even go and get the medicine and things have been tight with money. Well, and it's not just a different town. It's a different state, different state laws. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It is. And so my first thought was, what if I can regulate this on my own? And Mm -hmm. I'm coming to a point where I'm realizing there really is a chemical 
imbalance. And I know I've said this before in my life. I'm sure people who are listening who know me have, uh, they're like, mm-hmm. uh-huh, we've heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get back on your medicine and you'll be like, I don't know why I ever stopped. <laughs> I feel and, so good now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I actually had a friend coworker say that to me. She was like, okay, so, but if it's working, why would you stop? <laughs> right. And I was like, because I want to see if I can work it without. And she was like, yes, but remember how we've talked to people and they were talking about <laughs> their people that weren't on their medicine and how crazy they were. And she's like, just <laughs> reminding you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Michelle, but we've talked about the Andersons. <laughs> okay. Don't, Don't be like Nancy. <laughs> exactly and I love it though seriously I so appreciate that she has said that to me because it was kind of gentle it wasn't like you crazy you better get back on those meds (laughs) we just talked about this two weeks ago Uh, right so how many days has it been how long have you been without how long did the withdrawal take are you still going through it I mean where are you at um I want to say that I ran out the f- oh, I want to say the 24th of July is sticking out to me but it could have either been like so that was a Wednesday it could have either, either been like the Friday before or the Friday after or something like that so we're looking so it's at been about a, 3, three weeks. weeks yeah and I would say that it was probably a week and a half of withdrawals. And when I say that, what happens to me is <laughs> it's even hard to describe. I call it a zinging. My, my ears and my vision and my body does this like wah, wah, kind of like feeling. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Um, and it's almost an out-of-body experience. It's almost like that's where you're about to pass out, but you don't feeling, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been on the verge of passing out and you're like almost blacked out, but you're there and you can hear what's going on around you? I shouldn't laugh. (laughs) This just sounds terrible. No, I think if I felt that I'd be popping a pill. (laughs) That's why I resisted so many times before though. And I was like, I just have to get through this because I, I need to know that my life isn't going to be either zings or medicine, you know, like there has to be something else. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of had this desire to just feel my feelings and experience some things. And I think it's okay. Like (laughs) my boyfriend probably wouldn't agree. (laughs) In fact, he said to me, you realize the last three days you've called me yelling, right? <laughs> I'm like, I know, but the people in Walmart, ah! <laughs> this isn't my fault. I know. My brain. <laughs> Do you happen to know, this just popped up in my head. Do you know if there is a time, like, okay, um, what's the wording I'm looking for? So with medication, sometimes there's a shelf life, yes. right? So even though you stopped taking it a week ago, it might take two weeks to get out of your system. Is your medication like that? Is there a specific time period before it actually works its way out of your system? So I could be wrong on this, but I feel like I was told that it is a month. Okay. And so I was kind of surprised that I was feeling 
different after a week and a half and it still might be wearing off as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am trying to observe myself. And I have to say my boyfriend is, has been awesome because right at all the time that all of this was happening, one of the girls at my salon, it's not my salon. One of the girls Mm -hmm. at one of the salons that I work for had a stroke, right? And they were asking me if I could come and work up there. And (laughs) my boyfriend said, if you're going to be off of your meds, I'm going to say no. <laughs> He's like, you need to be here so I can monitor you. And I was like, oh, oh that's really you. sweet, actually. Because not a lot of people would want to be there to mm-hmm. monitor someone coming off of their meds, no. you know? And not a lot of people understand that. Right. And I joked with him. I said, really? Because you'd think you'd want me to be up there while I was <laughs> off of my meds. And he was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's a good idea. He's like, actually, I <laughs> yeah, think you're right. I changed my mind. <laughs> That's funny. So how do you feel? How do you think you're doing in general? How are you feeling about your decision to come off? I mean, so, are you thinking, oh, great, I need to go find a doctor. Like, I can't do this. Or, I mean, where are you at? I still am a little bit back and forth on that. Uh, I have been taking my mood stabilizers. i know that I've not been taking them as consistently as I should, but I have noticed on the days that I am taking them that I do feel better. Um, but (laughs) that was the other thing. I was at home for three days during last week while my boyfriend is at work and I was doing all the things around the house and I'm listening to my podcasts and he gets home and I start getting really mad and really angry and really snippy. And I was like, I was really nice all day while you weren't here. (laughs) (laughs) And then you get home and I just snap. We had a good laugh about it. But that's the thing that's nice is because I'm more aware of things that are potential hazards we can (laughs) is that the right word I'm just thinking of work yeah hazard you might want to wear a hard hat in this area (laughs) yes exactly but I feel like it is it so my observation I have been a little bit more sassy with people, which I could see becoming a problem later on at work. Yeah. So I'm able to deal with clients and the things that they say. And if they say, say things that I don't especially agree with, I can just like either laugh it off or uh-huh or move past it. And this last week, <laughs> <laughs> I had a client uh, – Okay, ready? I'm ready. We may edit this part out, but I'm going to tell you because you will laugh. (laughs) Frank. Oh. Right? Okay, so this client of mine, he's like, oh, did you ask for a raise from your company? And I said, well, we talked about me raising my prices first. And he was like, oh, honey, you got to keep your prices competitive. It's like McDonald's, they've got their, you know, dollar (laughs) menus and their burgers for $5. And then Burger King, they've got theirs at that price too. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." well, there's also Nordstrom's and they don't compete with Walmart. (laughs) And he just like, oh, like he's out there driving a Bentley. 
and telling me about keeping my prices competitive. I'm like, oh. I'm laughing because I, I love that the first thing he said was McDonald's. Right. So I keep comparing you to McDonald's. That's exactly what I thought too. Like, okay, if we're going to talk retail. <laughs> Oh, start with Cheesecake Factory. That's what I am. Come on. Right. Well, and so I've noticed that I haven't. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is I imagine things are going to happen. And I did that before, but I think I'm catastrophizing a little bit more in that I'm thinking, well, if she says this and if she does that, then I'm going to say this. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Instead of. Oh, well, if she thinks that, then she can think that. Oh, yeah. There's no way we think like that. So I, that's my thing is I, I'm hoping to be able to implement those same thoughts and behaviors without the medicine. So far, it hasn't been good. <laughs> <laughs> but for everybody listening, it does take time. Yes. You know? And, you know, it's not a bad thing to go off of your medicine to be able to experience things and then go back on it. Like, that's the thing that I want to have people understand is there's no right or wrong about mm-hmm. what medicine you take or, well, and I guess what medicine you take, there is a right and wrong. That was one of the reasons <laughs> why I decided to not do the antidepressant was because I heard of studies that were saying that a certain classification of antidepressants aren't good for people with bipolar Mm -hmm. and so I thought well maybe I'm just on the wrong meds Mm -hmm. and but how do I explain to a doctor what my symptoms are and what I'm experiencing when I'm numb oh yeah absolutely so in I feel like in order for me to find a good doctor here in this new state it's vital for me to know myself a little bit better well you're taking you're taking inventory you're taking responsibility you're not just saying well I've been diagnosed with this and I know there's a pill for it so why don't you tell me what I need you know give them the information and know and know what you're talking about and I think in general that's good advice as far as you know if it's been a few years that you've been on the same stuff and you in your gut feel like something's not working or maybe you're taking a couple of different medications, you know, sometimes medications can overlap. Mm-hmm. So, cause I've had the same thing where I have a mood stabilizer and I was taking an antidepressant and I was taking an anti-anxiety med. Mm-hmm. I eventually was able to get off of a couple of those and now I'm just on the mood stabilizer. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes, how do I say this? Sometimes things work themselves out, so to speak, or you learn how to deal with things where you don't need the medication necessarily anymore. And it's not good to be over medicated. So it's okay to check in from time to time and be like, okay, well maybe I can scale back on this, just see how I'm feeling. And if you need to go back on it, then you can go right back on it. Well, and like you were saying about if, you know, gut check, like if you feel like it's not working for you, I'll tell you back before I knew I was bipolar, he, my doctor had me on an anti-anxiety med and that sent me suicidal and it was like <laughs> and I should have listened to my doctor <laughs> oh boy <laughs> say that but it took me a couple of times to really realize what he meant by that because the medicine made me feel good 
and anti-anxiety made me feel good until my depression kicked in and I didn't feel good anymore and I didn't mm-hmm. feel good anymore. And that's not healthy. And so I'm trying to just do what I can to stay alive. <laughs> stay alive, people. I, 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 I'm staying scared. alive. Staying alive. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <clears throat> That's okay. Well, so and wanna... I think kudos to you. Oh, you thanks. Know? Do you want to tell any more about your experience with your medicine change or with the journey that you've been on? Mm, you know what? I, so I stopped taking my antidepressant. It's probably been like three months ago now. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little bit longer. I don't know. It's been a good transition. It was definitely the right decision for me to go off of it. I still struggle a lot with depression. Uh, but that's just something that is always going to be a struggle. It's part of the bipolar. And I think we've mentioned before, bipolar depression is different than regular depression. Yes. And so the normal antidepressants, they don't work. And mine was same thing with Michelle with her anti-anxiety. It was... um bringing on more suicidal thoughts and feelings. And so it was just better for me to be off of it. And so right now I'm just on my mood stabilizer and my sleeping pill. And that's just where I'm leaving it. Well, and one thing I wanted to kind of talk about, if you're okay talking about it, that you have mentioned about uh, medicine in the past is that you experienced some side effects that you didn't like, which is why you got off of that medicine because it, you were experiencing weight gain and you were experiencing hair loss. And I've heard of them. Um, uh, yes. what's the word with your sex drive, like lowering your libido. And so I, that's where you have to pay attention to the meds too. It's not just about, Oh, this isn't working. Cause my mood isn't right. If there's other side effects that aren't working for you, Tell your doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I had gotten to a point where I was even having conversations with my husband. I was so frustrated because it was adding to my insomnia. I already mm-hmm. have just crazy bad insomnia, and I have forever. And so it was getting to the point where I was like, okay, so do I treat the depression with the antidepressant or and like increase my insomnia, mm-hmm. which actually – adds to Makes my you more depression, <laughs> right? Because you can't get up in the morning and then when will you go to work? <laughs> right. Or do I get off of my antidepressant that seems to help with my depression most times and then get more sleep? It's, it was like, which one's worse? Which one do I choose? I was compromising either way. I don't know if I had said it correctly when I was explaining, but mm. it was like, okay, so do I keep it so that I can get this mm-hmm. or do I get off of it? So I don't feel like hurting myself basically, you know? So it is very difficult. Sometimes, sometimes the side effects are not worth the, uh, overall effect of taking the medication. Like, yeah, maybe it's helping me with my depression, but it's causing such huge problems in these other areas that it's just almost not worth it. So that, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was part of it too. It was a couple different things. I'm glad you brought that up for sure. Um, but yeah, that's what we wanted to talk about. How do we end <laughs> this? <laughs> so that's all we have for stigma and medicine today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. The moral of the story is if you want to break stigma, then stop stigmatizing yourself. Yes. You know, just start talking about these things and normalize it. And when you talk about it, oh, this is going to sound weird. Be confident. 
be confident in your crazy. She's like, <laughs> yes, I am ADHD and I love myself. Oh, that's so funny. Let's I had a drink. <laughs> I have done that with my clients, but it, let me tell you, it's like, they'll come to me and say, my so-and-so family member insert here is bipolar and they are crazy and they do this, that, and the other. And then I love to say, Oh, I'm bipolar too. And they look at me like, no, you can't be. And then I yeah. say, I'm, I'm well medicated. And we're going to make that into a t-shirt by the way. Yes. I'm Side well medicated. Note. But yeah, basically, you know what? Just own it, embrace it and just become self-aware and, you know, don't act weird about it when you talk about it. It takes a long mm-hmm. time to get there. But honestly, that's what the stigma is. That's how we're stopping it. So, yes, stop the stigma. Join and get on your meds. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good night, folks. Bye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.